Well, hello, church. I'm so pleased that we've come together this Sunday in order to worship our Lord and to fellowship again as a church, even though we can't do it in person. We do it online. We thank God for this technology. I thank God that God has taken care of you and blessed you and protected you. Um, And so why don't we open our service with a prayer, really asking God to continue to be with us. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for all the blessings in our life. I thank you, Lord, of how you've protected this church especially, how you've protected our people. And now, Lord, we ask you to reach out to the world and give your protection to the rest of the world as we ask this virus, Father, to be dissipated. I ask you now that this message that you've given us touch our hearts for the truth that we need today. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, how appropriate to start with a prayer because this message is about prayer and the next several weeks are going to be devoted to the study of prayer. Specifically, what did Jesus say about prayer? And of course, we know we have the Lord's Prayer, and I'll reference that today, but that will not be the main subject of the study. The study today is really about understanding in a generic sense, really, how does God want us to pray? What does Jesus tell us about that? How do we approach the throne of God? Next week, we'll, we'll drill down on the Lord's Prayer, specifically as a model prayer. But today, I want to really look at the generic way God looks at us to pray, how he invites us to pray, uh, and how we articulate those prayers. So there are two examples in Scripture where Jesus gave uh, specific examples of how to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, one of them is in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And that was designed there to teach the disciples to pray in private. Uh, Because uh, most people at that time when they prayed would pray publicly. Uh, And we'll see several references to that today. Uh, But in Luke, which is where we're going to drill down on today, Jesus gives us a little different version of the Lord's Prayer. And, And it's after he prayed that the disciples said, teach us to pray, Lord in the way that you do that. And so Jesus honors that prayer and, and begins to teach us about what that prayer means. And so what, what I have found uh, as I've examined this subject and really looked into my own heart in the years that I've, I've been in church is that so many of us really have issues with prayer. We're not sure if our prayers are reaching the throne of God. We're not sure if they're eloquent enough or spiritual enough Uh, or if we're approaching the throne of God with the right sense of humility. And we often wonder whether our prayers are truly being answered. Uh, And I think part of the problem is the fact that we don't see God face to face. We're used to seeing people that we ask for things uh, in a face to face position. But in prayer, we have to move by faith, not by sight. And so I think all of these issues uh, make us more concerned about the quality of our prayers. And so Jesus wants to teach us about all these issues. And so if you have your Bible, uh, would you turn please to Luke chapter 11, verse one. One day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Well, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. That's the prayer. Now, obviously, it's a little different Lord's Prayer 
It's almost a trimmed down version. And so the first thing that I would bring to your attention is this. For those of you who are concerned about the length of your prayers, that prayer is actually 15 seconds long. And so obviously, Jesus does not tell us that we need to have lengthy prayers in order to reach the, the face of God, but that we can do it in, in a few short sentences uh, and that that is considered worthy of God. Uh, and this is what I've been trying to teach uh, you for the past several years when I've been telling you that you need to pray 100 times a day. Now, I say the number 100, uh, not as, the, as a specific example of the numerology of it, but rather how many times you need to approach God in every aspect of your life, from the moment you get up to thank him for what he's given you, during the day for, for the blessings of your life, uh, for, for questions that you have in your life, in terms of decisions that you need to make, relationships in your life, praying about them, uh, praying about your ministries and how to approach people, praying specifically about the words you need to say to someone, either who's sick or who is not saved. Uh, and all of this becomes important and requires us to have a ongoing communication with God. And really, that's what prayer is about. Prayer is about communicating with God. Uh, God is not your hotel concierge. Uh, and so we have to get off of that issue where we're just going to pray when we want a list of things that we need. I want this, I need this, I want this. Now the question is, and Jesus made that clear in the Lord's Prayer, where he spoke about the fact that hallowed is your name, the blessings that you've given us. We approach with a spirit of thanksgiving. Um, and so all through the centuries, really, this prayer has been used as a model for the church. This is how we as Christians need to approach God. Uh, and so the first thing I brought to your attention was the fact that it is short. And interestingly, Jesus speaks about long prayers uh, and warns us about that as well, about how we pray. Look, if you would, at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 5. And when you pray, and this is Jesus now, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So there's a couple of things there that really percolate up to me. And that is, first of all, that God knows what you need even before you ask for it. Well, then somebody might say, well, if he knows what I mean, why do I have to pray? Because he wants to hear you approaching him with, with the demonstration of humility and the right spirit uh, and to see that you're growing in faith. And so he knows what you need. And so uh, you don't have to plead with him. You don't have to beg him. Uh, he knows what you need. You have to approach him the way you approached your mother or father uh, because he loves you and you know that that's what he'll attend to. The next thing is he talks about, about hypocrites who get up in a public forum and pray loudly in a public forum uh, so that they can be seen, so that their spirituality can, can be lauded by other people. Well, that's not what God wants. He calls that uh, hypocrisy. 
Rather, go into a private place where nobody can see you. And in that private place, you approach uh, God himself. And so you see these examples here of how Jesus wants us to pray. So we've just taken care of the fact it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be uh, public. uh, It can be done in a few simple words. Uh, And so this is important for us generally to reflect on this subject as we as we move along. Look also, if you would, uh, to Luke. Luke uh, chapter 18. And uh, beginning with verse 9. Uh, and again, Jesus is going to juxtapose two prayers for us so that we can see the difference in what God demands. Um, this is about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven and beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, this man, uh, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What a great juxtaposition of two people. Uh, and and J- Jesus excoriates the Pharisee. And so there it is, somebody that goes into the temple, and the prayer isn't about honoring God, it's about honoring me. Look at me, look at what I've done. I thank you, I'm not like other people. I haven't violated the commandments. Look at that loser over there. Thank you for not making me look like that loser. Uh, and frankly, I think there are people that pray like this. And, and the religious elite at that time, the Pharisees often prayed like this. Uh, that's why they look down uh, on much of the rest of the population. And so Jesus is telling us this is not the kind of prayer that's going to approach the throne of God. Instead, you see the tax collector bowing his head, not even able to look up because he understands he's a sinner and outside of the will of God and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's it. Have mercy on me, Father, a sinner. And that's the kind of prayer that we need to make. Have mercy on me, Lord. Uh, and so you see this, uh, that, that the simple, humble prayer uh, of an honest person goes to the throne of God rather than some wordy exhortation uh, in which we don't, we don't humble ourselves but lift ourselves up does not. Now, Jesus himself uh, gives us a number of examples where he makes short prayers, uh, even at his most profound moments in his life. Uh, And I wanted to give you that just so that you can see this example uh, continuing. Uh, First of all, look at the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, you know that this is right before Jesus will be arrested. This is within 24 hours of when he will be executed on the cross. And he's up in the garden, uh, and all of the forces of evil are being arrayed on him. Uh, The Bible tells us that he was under such incredible stress to think that he is now going to be the sin carrier of all of mankind, that, that he was sweating drops of blood. And we know that that's an actual condition uh, 
where people under incredible stress will actually sweat drops of blood. And so here is what Jesus said at this moment. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will. And that's a citation from Matthew 26, 39. And so what does that mean? It means even in this great moment of stress, Jesus reaches out to the Father and says, Lord, is it, is it, do I really have to die in this fashion in order for this mission to be completed? Do I really have to go through the persecution and suffering, the likes of which no one will ever have seen before on the cross? Uh, because if, it's, if, if we can do it some other way, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I still want to complete this mission. But nevertheless, whatever is your will, so let it be done. That is the essence of a perfect prayer. Approaching God with the need that you have in your heart. And yet understanding that in fact it may not be answered. It may not be answered not because God hasn't heard you, but because it's not within his perfect will. And so that's something we want to be able to do. Every time we pray, Lord, your will, in your perfect will, I want to walk and be in your will. Uh, then there's another example found in Mark chapter 15, verse 34. And again, this is on the cross. Uh, and, at, and in this passage, Jesus said, uh, and this is, this is the moment when all of the sins of mankind are now heaped on Jesus, on the perfect sacrificial human lamb, and now as, that, as he becomes the essence, the essence of sin, it is so repugnant to God that God can no longer look at it, can no longer communicate with him, and God severs the relationship at that moment, the communicative relationship with Jesus Christ, cuts it off, and Jesus obviously recognizes that and says in this one-sentence prayer, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here it is. He's, he's uh, under the stress of, of all this evil, even as he completes this mission, wants to be able to still have that line of communication with God, but it is cut off. And that's how, how he prayed on that very that, that moment. One sentence, simple prayer. All right? Uh, then then uh, also on the cross as he's being blasphemed and taunted uh, by the crowds who have crucified him and put him on the cross. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, an amazing example of the love of God and the love of Christ, that he could actually show forgiveness to the very people that have put him to death in the most ignominious of ways. But again, short. Uh, and then finally, as he's, as he's about to pass on, uh, moments before he will die, he says in Luke 23, verse 46, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful prayer at the end of Jesus' life. Into your hands, Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. I give you everything that I am. And what a wonderful example for us as to how to pray every day. Lord, whatever I am, Lord, I commit my life. I commit my life to you. I commit my spirit to you. Yeah, you, you help me, Lord, to execute your will in my life.
And so all of these prayers that I'm giving you are paradigms for us. See, God hears us because of his love for Jesus Christ, not because we pray in a specific way. God is not honoring us because we're deeply theological or deeply spiritual. Uh, Prayer is not a performance. We're not doing this to impress other people or impress the church uh, or impress other believers. Uh, We are talking to God. We are speaking to God. Uh, And as we speak to him, we need to remember he is our father. He loves us. Uh, and he is, and he engages with us because of Jesus Christ. This is the key issue to remember. Your prayers are being answered not because you're good, not because you're righteous, not because you have great theological acumen, but rather because you are a child of God through Jesus Christ. It is the love of Christ that allows God to say to you, approach my throne and I will answer you. Uh, and so this becomes very important for us. And a lot of us don't understand it. Our prayers can be brief. They can be simple. Uh, in fact, and this is a key issue, in fact, our prayers do not even have to be verbalized. Uh, and I want you to turn, if you would, as I speak on this issue, to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And uh, it's as follows. This is the Apostle Paul speaking now. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. What an incredible series of verses there. And so the question for you is, have you ever been at the point in your life where where you have been so down, that you've been so beaten down, that you may have been praying for months and months, and you get to the point where you're not even able to articulate a prayer anymore. You don't even realize how, how you can pray or what words you can say. Uh, and I can tell you, frankly, that I've been in a situation like that. And typically this happens where uh, you're praying for someone you love a great deal. I had a relative who I loved deeply, uh, who meant a great deal with me, and he had been sick for, for many months. And month after month after month, I prayed for him. And when I say I prayed for him, I prayed during the middle of the night. Uh, Whenever I would wake up, I would find myself praying even in my sleep. I would be praying seven or eight times a day for him. And this went on month after month after month uh, as I was asking God to heal him. Uh, And he wasn't being healed. And he continued to sink further down. And so the question then I had is, Lord, I, I, I can't pray anymore. I don't, I, I don't have the words to pray. My spirit is beaten down. Uh, and, I, and I would sigh. It would be almost like, help me, God. Help me, Lord. And, and as I did that, I would find that through the Holy Spirit, there would be a peace that I would have in my heart, such that to the extent that when uh, this dear 
relative of mine finally passed away, I had a confirmation in my heart that the prayers that I had were heard by God uh, and, and that uh, my relative uh, was brought home in accordance with the will of God and was where he should be. It was the sovereign will of God. And we have to understand that, that there are times when the sovereign will of God uh, prevails. And so that's what I mean by groaning. What an incredible God we have, that not only does he ask us to come and pray for him, but that he recognizes that in our frail humanity, we may not even be able to pray. We may not even be able to articulate the words. We may not even know what to pray for. And that's a big issue, what to pray for. Uh, because sometimes we're praying for the wrong thing. Uh, but we see here that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit sits by us and reads our heart. And as the Holy Spirit reads our heart, it's the Holy Spirit that articulates the prayer that goes to the Father because in these verses it tells us that God searches the heart through the Spirit and basically intercedes through that. And so what a wonderful example to me of how great our God is uh, and how great prayer is, that even when we cannot pray because we're incapable of it, because of conditions that surround us, he prays for us through the Holy Spirit. What a great gift to be a Christian. What a great gift that God gives us uh, as he invites us to his throne to communicate with him. Can you imagine? The world has no idea the world has no idea that we communicate with the creator of the universe. Uh, and they sit there uh, in a situation in, they, in which they refuse to acknowledge God. Uh, and there's a perfect example, really, uh, of this also in Scripture through Jesus. And if you would open your Bibles to Luke, Luke 22, verse 32. And you know the context of this. Uh, and the context of this is that Jesus is with Simon Peter uh, and is telling Simon Peter that he's going to betray him. And this is right, right after Simon Peter says, oh, I'll go, go to the cross. I'll do anything for you. I will never let you down. And, and, and Jesus now says, no, you're going to betray me. And I want you to see what Jesus says here. Um, and, and it's in Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Well, how about that? Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is praying for us. And so there he is looking at Peter, recognizing that Peter himself couldn't make this prayer because Peter did, never thought that he would fail God, but that Jesus saw it prophetically and was praying in advance for him. Why? Because Peter was a key uh, block in the kingdom of God and that Peter had to go back after this situation had passed and Peter recognized that he was a human and had failed and would ask for re repentance, he would come back and be a great disciple and strengthen the others, that this would be a teaching program for him. And so you see this, Jesus praying for us even when we don't know what to pray for or how to pray for. And so Peter goes on after this for many years of useful service. So none of this, by the way, is to suggest that this alleviates our responsibility to pray. Not, not at all. You still have an ongoing 
responsibility to pray because the, the scripture says the, uh, the Holy Spirit helps us, assists us. It doesn't say that he does it completely. It's you continuing to pray in a regular platform on an ongoing basis to God, communicating with your Father. And when times are rough, where you cannot do that, the, the Holy Spirit intercedes. Now, let me bring up another issue. Some people think that you have to be extremely emotional and intense in your prayers in order for God to attend, to listen to them. It's almost like you go back to the Old Testament and you see those passages about sackcloth and ashes and you have to publicly remonstrate uh, about what you are and what you're going through. You don't have to do that. God loves you through Jesus Christ. He listens to you because you're a Christian and because of his love for Jesus. And so while emotional experiences may be important in our life and may have some reference to our spiritual growth, the emotional experiences are not what approaches the throne of God. I'll repeat that. The emotional experiences are not what approaches the throne of God. Uh, and some of us kind of believe that those significant emotional experiences are more profound prayers. Uh, and, and the problem with that is that can become a, a dangerous issue in the life of the church. And Jesus warned about that, where, where people can develop what I'll call spiritual pride, where they believe that they have greater spiritual gravitas uh, than others because of, of these emotional experiences. And Jesus gave a, a great dissertation on this in Luke chapter uh, 10. If you have your Bibles, take a look at that. Luke chapter 10. Uh, and beginning in verse 17. And this is a situation where Jesus had sent out the 72 uh, from his group uh, to go out and spread the word and tell the, the whole, all of the communities about the gospel of Christ. Uh, and so they came back. And so let's listen to what Jesus said to them when they came back. Luke 10, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons uh, uh, submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right. So do not rejoice that God may have answered your prayers or that God may have given you some spiritual gifts or talents. Do not lift yourself up uh, in comparison to other people when you do that, because that can help to destroy a church. Even as you lift yourself up uh, in these experiences, it can tend to put other people down. And Jesus is saying there, just be joyful of the fact that you're saved, that your name is written in the book of life. So irrespective of the fact that I've given you the authority to exorcise demons or that you can walk and not be harmed because you're walking with me, you don't take joy in that. You take joy in the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's another example of, of this uh, uh, importance in Colossians chapter 2. If you've got a chance, open your Bibles or you can do it later. Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 18. And this is Paul now speaking on, on this same issue where some people might tend to glorify themselves even in their spiritual gifts. 
Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great details about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grow as God causes it to grow. What a great demonstration of the truth of Jesus Christ. We grow as we're attached to the body. We grow as we humble ourselves to Christ. He is the head. He is the direction. All goodness and grace comes from him. We don't puff ourselves up because maybe we have had some spiritual gift. And here he's referencing to some people who talk about visions that they've seen. uh, And in fact, it's not supported by Christ. It's not supported by Christ. We, if, if we want to have our lives supported by Christ, everything we do has to be couched in humility. Uh, and so this becomes important for us to understand this. And so less emotionally intense prayers are just as readily heard by God uh, in the most effective way when we pray. And so Jesus, in all these examples that we've talked about, especially so in the Lord's Prayer, encourages us to pray for things that we need on a regular daily basis. These are not prayers made on the issues of life and death. They are prayers made on the daily walk of our life, on the daily needs that we have for sustenance, for food, for shelter, for relationships. These are the kind of prayers that Jesus wants us to have. And when you pray multiple times a day, Uh, in your walk with God, as you approach the throne of God, you don't have to go into and find where in your house Jerusalem is located, distance-wise, and put a prayer uh, mat down and bow towards Jerusalem. You don't have to do that, all right? I understand Daniel did that, but there's a contextual difference for that. He was in a a foreign country in which he had been taken by force. You're here in in a fabulous country with the freedom of expression. You can freely express your prayers to God in every simple way, even as you walk or as you drive your car. Uh, and so here's the thing. We have to start believing, have to start believing that our, that it's not our intensity or our persistence in prayer that requires the Lord to answer us, but rather that he loves us because of Jesus Christ. And here's the other thing. God is under no obligation to answer our prayers. Let's make that clear also. Because some of us believe, well, I'm a regular church member. I tithe. I've, I've really, you know, involved in so many ministries. I'm certain that once the words come out of my mouth, God, God is obligated to answer them. You're way off base. God isn't obligated to answer your prayers. God asked you to come to his throne and has a relationship with you because of Jesus Christ. He will answer your prayers when they're appropriate, when they are within his perfect will, uh, when you seek him in the right way, as I've demonstrated here uh, in multiple examples. But it's not our persistence uh, or our spirituality or our righteousness that makes those prayers feasible, not at all. And so we need to become secure in the knowledge that God loves us. Uh, And Jesus teaches this us to pray with confidence. In other words, pray as if you were speaking to your father. You remember how you approached your father or your mother when you were a kid? How you knew if you went to them and asked them for something, 
that they would give it to you if it was appropriate, that they loved you and cared for you. You didn't need to berate them. Uh, you didn't need to beg them. That because of the love that they had for you, they would in every way accommodate you and answer your prayers. That's what God wants us to do through Jesus Christ. And so that's the example that we see in Jesus in every way. The simple, humble prayer, uh, not involved in, in putting together some rhetorical device of many words, not trying to impress others, not lifting ourselves up or talking about ourselves, but rather humbly bowing before God, asking for mercy, asking that he enter into our lives, asking that he direct our lives. And so that's the, that's the nature of this sermon today, that Jesus teaches us that we can say these things briefly, simply, but confidently. God bless you, church. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words that you've given us and the encouragement that you've given us about prayer, Father. All of us right now are in times of great stress, and we reach out to you, Lord, and we ask you that the, the way that we pray to you be in the way that you would want us to pray and approach the throne of God in the way that you want us to do that. Lord, I ask you to seal this prayer. Let it resonate in our hearts and continue to protect and bless our people in every possible way. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you, church.